Well, everybody, so excited you're here today. Turn your Bibles today to 1 Timothy chapter 5. How many of you guys have been enjoying this series we've been going through? Hey everybody, so glad you're here today. Turn your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 5. How many of you guys have been enjoying the series we've been going through? Okay. Okay. Fantastic. It is the Bible we're looking at today. And uh, so turn your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 5. I don't know about you, but I love coming to church. I love being with you people. There's something so excited. You know, when God said, don't forsake the gathering of the saints together, I think he knew what he was talking about. Amen. There is just something so awesome about coming together, doing things like we did today, dedicating children unto the Lord, worshiping together. Um, It's such a powerful time, and I I really appreciate each and every one of you that you would take your Sunday and be here and and worship with us. Uh, We've been going on this journey through 1 Timothy chapter 5, and when we started out on this journey, like I do with every series, I really pray, God, what do you want to do in our church through this series? I don't want to just get up there and preach because that's what we're supposed to do or go through a series because, uh, you know, that's an easy way of doing it. God, I really want you to communicate something to our church, and I, I want the heart of that caught by our church. And so coming out of the campaign we did, the sexual revolution, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, I want you to go through the book of 1 Timothy because the first, uh, book of 1 Timothy really deals with the church, what the church should be about, what the church should be unto, what the church should be doing, how the church should look. And uh, so as we started doing that, my prayer was this, is that by the end of this series, we would just have a greater love for the church. Uh, We'd have a greater love for one another. And, uh, you know, here at Urban Church, um, you know, when we started this church, I had a prayer for our church. And that our church would be like a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. In the Old Testament, uh, it talks about a, a thing called safe cities. And safe cities were this, is where if someone was accused of something and someone was coming after them, they could go to these safe cities and there await a proper trial without any injury or harm coming upon them. And when God told us to start Urban Church, I felt that's what Urban Church would be, that we would be a safe place, that we would be a safe haven, that no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what struggles you find yourself in, that you could come here and that the grace of God would just meet you where you're at. Amen. Uh, here at Urban Church, we, we're not looking for perfect people because we realize there are none, including this one standing up here, okay? But we're just looking for people that would pursue God and that would pursue that perfection that he does have for their life. And so really everyone sitting around you today uh, probably has a, a similar struggle or something they're struggling with as well. But yet we found something in common that we can come together as a community. It's not about Urban Church, okay? It's about the grace of God. And he's not just doing it in this church, he's doing it in a lot of churches, but here it's our prayer and it's our heart that you would come to this place and you would find that safety, you would find that refuge, you would find good sound doctrine. How how do you get to that place of of refuge? Exactly like what we've been talking about in 1 Timothy chapter 5. That first and foremost, we would acknowledge Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, amen? And that through that, that good sound doctrine or good sound teaching would impact our lives so that we could be that light that shines so that others could come to know him. And uh, that's what we've been trying to accomplish here at Urban Church, and I believe that's what God's even doing more so through 1 Timothy as we've been going through that together. Uh, A couple of things just in way of review. Um, What's taking place right now? Uh, Paul is writing to Timothy. Paul is in Macedonia. Timothy is in Ephesus. He's been established as one of the pastors of one of the local churches there, and he's writing to them, uh, to him, to set some things in order. 
Apparently, some people have been taking the gospel and using it for selfish gain. They've been turning it. They've been twisting it. Some things have been happening uh, that Paul would address as bad doctrine. And that bad doctrine has now crept into the church a little bit. And so now he's got to address some culture of the church as well as the culture as a whole. And so he writes to Timothy uh, because Timothy is about ready to leave Ephesus, okay? We see it in chapter 1. Timothy don't want to be there. These people are so bad and so horrible that he wants to leave his own church. Come on, somebody, okay? I haven't experienced that yet, and by the grace of God, you will never be that way, and I will never want to leave, okay? Make that promise to me right now, okay? Timothy doesn't want to be there. He wants to leave. He wants to run. He wants to get out. So Paul writes to him to urge him to stay. You got to stay. Why you got to stay? Because there's some bad stuff going there, and God has established you there to be the, to counteract all that stuff, that bad doctrine, that bad teaching, all that stuff that's, that's happening with good, sound doctrine. So Timothy, I need you to stay. He then begins to talk about some of the things that Timothy would need. He needs to be a person of prayer. He needs to pray a lot, and he needs to pray everywhere, and he needs to pray often, and, and so he encourages him to do that. And then it begins to talk about some of the qualifications of, Timothy, look at your leadership team. Look at the people that you're establishing in the church, and here's some qualities they need okay, in order to be leaders in the church, and, and we looked at that. And then we also talked about this one. We had a good time talking about that we ought to train ourselves in godliness, and what that meant to them as he began to speak that letter, that we ought to train ourselves for that. And uh, so today, I'm going to go through chapter 5. I'm um, just going to read it in its entirety, and, uh, and then we'll come back and we'll make some comments uh, about some of the particular verses and uh, maybe address some of them in chunks today. Primarily, though, chapter 5 is dealing with two things. Uh, it's primarily dealing with, and specifically within the church now, it's almost as if it's addressing some of the first major issues that are discovered in the church. Uh, one of those issues is conflict, okay? How many been going to church long enough to realize there's some conflict sometimes in church? No? Okay, just stick with us long enough, you will, all right? Wherever there's people, there tends to be conflict. The only way you're going to remove the conflict from the church is when you remove everybody from the church and you're the only one left. And then your multi-personalities kick in and you have conflict with yourself, <laughs> Right? Okay, so there's conflict going on. Why? Because there's people, and wherever there's people gathered together, uh, there tends to be conflict sometimes. And if you're married, you know what I'm talking about. Praise Jesus. The next one that, 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 that gets dealt with here, not only is conflict dealt with, but finances are dealt with through this passage. And a lot of people might miss this one as they're reading through, but really finances is a huge subject of chapter 5. And these are the two first issues that Paul addresses to Timothy that are taking place in the church. Conflict with people and finances. Not a whole lot has changed today, has it? <laughs> I mean, some of the biggest reasons why people don't want to come to church. Oh, they're hypocritical. Conflict. Right? You ever heard that one before? I don't want to go to church because it's just full of a bunch of hypocrites. <laughs> yes, you're right. <laughs> just like you. But, okay. Where there's people, there's conflict, right? We're doing our best to live a godly lifestyle, okay? But conflict happens, still happens today. Another reason people give you for not wanting to come to church, I don't want to go to church because the church is all about money, right? You ever heard, how many of you guys have heard that one before, okay? How many of you guys have thought that one before? Be honest, okay? <laughs> yeah, okay? You know? And, and so those are two things that are still taking place today, conflict and finances. And so let's read this. And then we'll pray, we'll make some comments. 1 Timothy chapter 5, starting in verse 1, says this, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Honor widows who are truly widows, but if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn 
to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents. For this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplication and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well so that they may be without reproach. It's for their benefit, Timothy, that you teach these things. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband and having a reputation for good works. If she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work, but refused to enroll younger widows. For when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry, and so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. Besides that, they learn to be idlers going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies saying what they should not. So I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion for slander. For some have already strayed after Satan, and if any believing woman has relatives who are, are, are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that it may care for those who are truly widows. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all, so that the rest may stand in fear. In the presence of God and that Christ Jesus and the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without uh, uh, prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands, nor, nor take part in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and for your frequent ailments. The sins of some men are conspicuous going before them to judgment, but the sins of others appear later. So also good works are conspicuous, and even those that are not cannot remain hidden. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. Lord, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that God, you would speak to us clearly, that Lord, we would glean something from your word. Uh, Lord, we would learn, we would grow, and we would be the beautiful church that you have called us to be in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Conflict and finances. Verses 1 and 2. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would uh, a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. This is the first chunk of, of scripture I want to deal with just for a moment. Uh, right off the bat, uh, Paul begins to address Timothy here and says, hey, Timothy, here's how you have to treat people in the church, okay? And knowing that Timothy would then, would then pass that down to his leaders, and then it would model it for the whole church and how we are to interact with one another. This is something we have to understand. When, when Timothy is getting this charge from Paul, Paul is actually writing to Timothy as a son, okay? And as he writes to him as a son, he's encouraging Timothy in these things, not just so that Timothy could be that, 
But we saw last week in chapter 4, verses 12 and on, that he's encouraging Timothy to do that so that he could be a model to all the believers. Okay? Now, the point in being a model to all the believers is that the believers would look at the leaders of the church, the pastor of the church, and say, okay, that's what I need to model my life like. Okay? Uh, Paul said this, that I-, I want you to follow me as I follow Christ. Okay? We're, we're, we're models for you. Now, we're not perfect. We saw that. But we are to be above, above reproach. Okay? Uh, we're, we're not faultless. We have faults, but we are, are blameless. We're doing this the best way we know how. And so the reason Paul is encouraging Timothy to look like this is so that all of us could glean. So if you're sitting there today and you thought, well, I thought Timothy was a pastoral epistle. Isn't that, isn't that written to pastors? Do I really need to be reading that? I mean, I just come to church and, and attend. No, we all need to be reading it because Timothy is to be a model, and this is what we're all to look like. Now, there are certain specifications that we saw for elders and for deacons, but, but now here, coming out of chapter 4, saying, Timothy, this is what I want you to look like, he is now addressing how I want you to have interactions with one another, okay? And so this goes to all of us, not just to Timothy. And he encourages Timothy not to rebuke the older man, but to encourage them as fathers, now, if you look at that, that word rebuke, it's the only time it's used in the scripture, uh, and, and it literally means this, it means not to strike. Now, we've talked about this before a little while back, when we talked about some of the uh, classification or qualifications, I should say, of a pastor, okay? And one of those qualifications was that a pastor should not be violent. Aren't you glad I'm not violent? Okay? That we shouldn't be violent, okay? And if we were looked at that word violent, that word violent meant that we shouldn't be strikers or hitters, Okay? That it's not good for your pastor to walk around hitting people. Okay? And we talked about that, that there are sometimes, you know, as a human being, because I am, that I do feel like hitting people. Anybody out there bear witness with that? You ever felt like punching somebody before? Come on, don't lie to me. Okay, some honest people out there, all right? And as a pastor, I've felt that way before, that I just, you know what, you're not getting that. I just want to, you know, not a real hard hit, just a, just a gentle slap. You know what I'm talking about, right? But Paul encourages Timothy, don't be like that. He does it again here. He says when you're dealing with older men, hey, don't rebuke them. Don't strike them. Don't come across harshly to them, but encourage them as you would a father. Now, I don't know what your relationship was like with your father, but I had a great relationship with my dad. And I can tell you right now, uh, even though I got taller than my dad, bigger than my dad, and definitely stronger than my dad in all, all those aspects, okay, I had a fear for my dad, okay? I did, there were certain lines I just did not cross at all, okay? And I, I accepted the discipline. I had, a, I had a healthy amount of fear of my father. My father was one of those guys that, that he had a look about him, that he just looked at you and you started crying. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, anybody ever had a parent like that? They just look at you and you're just like, oh, you know? And you know what's coming later. That, that, I had a dad like that. He, he disciplined me uh, often. And, uh, and it was good discipline, right? And so... Uh, it talks about encouraging them as a father. I would not rebuke my father. I would not come against my dad like that. And this is what Paul is saying to Timothy. Don't rebuke them. Don't come across too harshly, okay? Now, why did Paul tell Timothy to do that? Probably because Timothy wanted to do that with some of the people, okay? So you should be thankful if you're older than me in here today because I learned from this, okay? Because there are times, okay, I'm 37 years old, I'm not, I'm not that young, but I'm not that old, come on, is anybody in their 30s in here, knows what I'm talking about, you feel me, right, okay, but I've had people come, we've actually had people leave our church uh, on this because they thought I was too young, okay, 
And, um, and, and they thought I was too young, and I guess that, that age equaled maturity in, in the scriptures or something to them. And, and because of, I've also had older people come to me um, that have an agenda, okay? And they see a young pastor, and they see a church that's not even three years old yet, and they come, and maybe they're in their, their later 40s, and they, they've never pastored a church, but just because they're older, they feel like they just, they just know how church should be ran, okay? And this has happened on several occasions where they say, hey, you know, can I meet with you? I'll buy you a cup of coffee. I know what they're going to say, but I also like a free cup of coffee. Come on, somebody. Okay? So I will endure the free cup of coffee. I'll endure what they have to say for the free cup of coffee, all right? And and especially when they say you pick the place and what kind of coffee you want. You know, I want six grande, you know, caramel macchiato. Okay? And so I'll I'll give give me the free coffee and I'll sit there and listen. Now listen to me. I always approach conversations with an open mind. But 99% of the time in these meetings, they have an agenda they want to push. And they think that because I'm younger than them and they think that because the church is young, that I don't know what I'm doing and, and our leadership team doesn't know what we're doing. And so they come in usually with an agenda and they want to begin to say something and change the course of the church. Okay? Now in those moments, yes, there have been times where I'm glad that Paul wrote this. Do not rebuke older, older men, okay? But encourage them as a father. And so I encourage them to leave the church and go somewhere else. <laughs> I, I don't rebuke them. I don't come out and say, you know, you are absolutely in the wrong. You're an idiot. That's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. You know, we're never going to do that. I'll listen with an open heart. And honestly, I'll even pray about what is being brought, okay? Because sometimes what's being brought is being brought by the Holy Spirit. But there are often times when something is being brought and I'm listening to it and I'm like, what in the world are you talking about? Okay? And I'll just, I just know it won't, but I won't say anything harsh to them. I'll just receive it. I'll say, man, that is a great idea, but you know what? This is what we're doing here at this church. And you know what? I think that uh, maybe you should um, pray about maybe uh, if there's a different church that you're supposed to be at where you could bring that to. And I, that's how I'll say it. Okay? Now, they'll obviously catch what I'm saying because they're smart, right? They've been around. And I remember I was meeting with one guy, and he had this, this whole package he wanted to bring because um, we didn't know what we were doing at all. Like, we did not know. We didn't have it. And he wanted to bring this whole system, and he wanted us to pay all this money for it. And he goes, if you do this, I'm telling you what, your church will just grow, okay? Look, I'm not into steroid growth, all right? If you've got to shoot me up with roids to get me buffed, obviously I didn't have to take them because I got natural, <laughs> you know? But if you've got to shoot me up with roids in order to bulk me up, I don't want it, Okay? And if you've got to shoot me up with some sort of roids in our church to say, oh, this will grow your church, you know, I, I'm a little bit leery of that. I, I don't want it, okay? And I was talking with this person. I said, you know what? Have you talked to any other churches about this? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've, I've met with some really big churches. You ever heard of Saddleback Church? Rick Warren? I'm like, yeah. He goes, yeah, I met with him. I was like, great. How'd that go? He goes, oh, he didn't want it either. I don't want it either then, all right? <laughs> okay? You know, and he mentioned all these churches. Listen. This ought to, now, why am I telling you? This ought to excite you, okay? This ought to make you feel safe at church. This ought to make you feel like we're not just taking what anybody brings and, and implementing it and trying it. And where'd you get that idea? I don't know, some guy that's not even here anymore, he brought this and we just thought we'd try it, you know? This ought to give you safety and encourage you that, you know what? That, that we are praying about things, that we are receiving things, that we are literally following the scripture, that we're not rebuking people, striking people, Right? But that we're encouraged them as fathers. It goes on to say, uh, encourage uh, uh, them as fathers, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters. Now, in our study group, we talked about this. It's interesting where Paul decides to put the purity. He doesn't say, you know, with all purity, treat younger men as this and older women as that and younger women as this. He says, you know, younger men, men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with all purity. Okay? Obviously, he knew Timothy being a young man, 
okay, that there was going to be some hot chick in his church. Come on, somebody. You know, and, and that he ought to respect them as a sister with all purity. Let me define what that means for you, young pastor, okay? Listen, the anointing is attractive. The anointing is powerful. And there's going to be some cute little things sitting in the church, and she's going to get an idea that, oh, Timothy's my man. So, Timothy, when that happens, I want you to remember something, okay? I want you to treat the young women as sisters with all purity. Are you catching what I'm saying, Timothy? I got it, okay? Don't be going walking around striking older men and don't be hitting on the younger women. That's what, that's what he's saying there, okay? And then it dives right into the next part of the passage I want to I address, and it talks about widows, okay? And the first word it uses here, honor widows, who are truly widows. What is, what, is, what is Paul saying? The word honor actually means financial contributions, okay? So what it's saying is this, is give finances Help out widows who are truly widows with money, okay? Honor, money, financial contribution. And then it goes into this lengthy thing, talking about widows that are truly widows look like this. Other widows aren't, you know, if they have, if they have family members, they're, they're actually not widows. Just because they lost their husband, if they have children or if they have grandchildren, it's the children's job or the grandchildren's job to help. They're not truly widows. Here's what a, a true widow is. They have no one, no family member to help take care of them. So church, this is your opportunity to step in and give financial contributions and help out. Apparently, there were a lot of widows, okay? But worse than that, not only were there a lot of widows, apparently there were a lot of widows taking advantage of what was set up in Acts chapter 6 about 30 years previous of, of, this, of this benevolence fund that was there to help the widows, and now there were so many widows, and there were younger widows, that were taking advantage of what was happening in the church. They were literally, the Bible says, burdening the church. Why? Because they're young enough to go do something with their life, to get remarried, to bear children, so that they now have a proper focus, again, to, to raise up the children. Um, maybe they have family members that could take care of them, and yet they're dipping into the church funds. They are draining, the, they are burdening the church. Okay, what's Paul dealing with? He's dealing with finances. Financial integrity in the church is such an important thing. And you would say, amen. Okay, for those of you that are tithers and you're givers, you understand this. Man, I want to give to a church that's integrous with the funds. Okay, so here now is Paul writing. Here's how that needs to be addressed. Widows that are really willing, widows, help them out. Those that aren't, don't. Okay, look at what it says. This is so powerful. It literally lays out really the first picture of what maybe we would consider welfare, the purest form. If you can, take care of yourself. If you cannot, family needs to step up and help out. And look at what it says. Not only does family need to step up and help out, it says this pleases God when that happens. Wow. Now this works at all levels, not just with widows. This could work with brothers and sisters. Do you have a brother and sister in need? Help them out. You have a son, a daughter in need? Help them out. Your mom, your dad's in need? Step in, help out. Why? Because this is the way God intended it, and this pleases God. This isn't just, listen to me, this is a principle here. Yes, it's specifically dealing with widows in this passage, but the principle is this, is family needs to help family out and stop burdening the church. Wow. Think about that. I remember my brother uh, a little while ago. He was having a hard time. He was coming off of meth, um, doing really bad, and, uh, and uh, ended up getting involved in some stuff, and he was literally going to go to prison for something he did. And uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and spoke to the rest of my family, said, let's get some money together and, and let's pay off his debt so he doesn't go to prison. 
Uh, my wife and I, um, God spoke to us, and we sold some things. We, we got some funds together. My wife and I gave 5000 of the 10000 he needed. And that was a lot of money to us, okay? I was a youth pastor, okay? You, 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 pastors don't make that much money. Just try being a youth pastor, okay? One thing, if you've ever been in ministry long, if you learn that the youth pastor is the janitor, he's the IT guy, he's easy, you know, he just kind of catch all, right? I was a youth pastor that God spoke to us, and so we stepped in, and mom, mom stepped in, dad stepped in, some of the other brothers, we got this money together, pay off his debt to help keep him out of prison. And I'm so glad we did. Because now he's remarried, now he's serving God, now he's restored, he's involved in the church, he's, he's, you know, okay? Now listen to me. Had we never stepped in, I already knew the church was done with him. Matter of fact, he had been excommunicated from one of the churches. Talk about that another time, okay? We stepped in as family. Why? Because that was the biblical thing to do. Because of that, now he's restored and he's, he's serving God. So there's, there's these things taking place. Help out the widows, but, but the widows are burdening the church. I don't want to spend too much time here because we're short on time and I want to move forward. But then it jumps into the next, the next uh, portion of scripture where it goes from financial contribution to widows and it says this, let the elders, pastors who rule well, who rule well, be considered worthy of double honor. I'm going to read that one again. I like that one. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor. Oh, man, it's so tough. In preaching and teaching, let me just tell you, sometimes it is tough. Sometimes I'm up here, and I honestly feel like I'm laboring. I feel like, man, these people are looking at me like, who is that idiot up there? What is he saying? I don't get it, you know? And especially the people in the back that are, like, falling asleep, you know? I feel like I should have a football up here and just be like... I'm laboring people, okay? Interesting if you study those words out, the word laboring, which we don't have time to get get into. But what it's saying is this. Look, church, we need to have financial integrity. This is what you're giving the money to. You're giving the money to this. But honestly, what you need to do is stop burdening the church with that. Let family take care of that. And you need to flip this thing because the pastors, the leaders, the elders. See, I told you the church is all about money. Here he goes, okay? That's where you ought to be giving double honor. Now, that doesn't mean just, you know, okay, you know, the lawyer's making, you know, 600000 We need to give double honor and give, you know, $1.2 Okay, we're not talking about that. What it's doing is comparing to, hey, whatever you're giving the widows, listen, the, 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 the elders, they're actually deserving of double of that. Double of that. You ought, to, you ought to give that there so that they can continue to labor in the word and preach and teach and continue to feed us. Now listen to what it says. It says that you don't muzzle an ox when it's treading out the grain. It's not calling pastors oxes, okay? Okay? So don't call me that. Hey, ox, what up? Pastor, okay? It uses an analogy from Deuteronomy, and what took place was that the people used to thresh out the, the wheat for themselves. They'd have this threshing tool. But now they built a mechanism that the bull or the ox would be attached to, and it would now walk around turning this thing, threshing out the wheat. And stuff that would fall out, they would allow the ox to eat so that it continued to be strong and would continue to work. And as it was working, it would eat and it would continue its job. Okay? It's saying, hey, that's what an elder is like. That's what the pastor of the church is like. He is literally, listen, you might not be threshing out the word for yourself anymore, but you've hired an ox. Come on, somebody. To go ahead and to labor in preaching and teaching, to go ahead and to begin to, to tread out the meat uh, 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 of the Word of God and then present that on Sunday morning or present that when they gathered together. Okay? 
And that's what's taking place. Now listen to me. You've got to hear me here. That's what's taking place. Yes, I'm doing that. I'm doing it to the best of my ability. I'm studying. Uh, we work with our study group, and we, 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 we get you know, stuff in context, and I'm having so much fun doing it, and we give you the best of what we can. It's not always maybe the best in your eyes, um, but you know what? I've been a single parent this week. Come on, somebody. Have a little sympathy on me. Okay. But we do the best that we can. Now, as the grain goes to you, we've threshed it out. Here it is. It's still up to you, just like you would in the natural, to go get that grain. It's still up to you now to put it together and to make a meal. Are you with me? Okay, it's not up to me to, 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 to tread it out, put it all together, make it into garlic mashed potatoes with a, you know, with a, with a real big steak and some corn on the cob and say, here you go. See, too many people come to church and that's what they expect. I mean, it was good, Pastor, but you know what? When are you going to get a little deeper with the word? No, no, let's see, that's, you're asking the wrong question. You need to look at yourself and say, when am I going to get deeper with the word? Honestly, when people come and they say, oh, Pastor, when are you going to teach this way? Or when are you going to do that? When are you going to get a little deep? That's not my job. My job is to tread out the grain, give you the grain, and say, hey, here's some tools. Here's some stuff. Now you need to go and you need to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You need to train yourself in godliness. You need to prepare a meal for yourself and for your family. Can I get an Amen. Okay, that's my job. Here it is. Now you take it. Now you go back and you go back to the scripture and you say, wow, okay, Pastor Man was talking about that. How does that apply to my life? How does that apply to my circumstance and my situation? How, how do I need to do this? And this isn't just for me, but this is for my family too. That is your job. And if you are not doing that, ladies and gentlemen, then you are failing, not the church is failing. Are you with me? Because the reality is when you go to a restaurant, there are some people that like fish. There are some people that like steak. There are some people that like chicken. Listen to me. I can't prepare chicken, steak, and fish and just be like, here, okay? I just give you the proper ingredients, all right? Now go, man, and, and, and work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's your job. That's what you're supposed to do. And if it ain't happening, listen to me, man, when people call upon the church and they ain't been to church in a long time and they call and they're like, hey, pastor, can we talk? I'll be like, man, where you been? Well, you know, I just, it, you know, it's been difficult. What's been difficult? Well, you know, I just, I've just been working a lot and so has everybody else. Are you saying you're a harder worker than everybody else in the church? They've been coming. Well, I've just been on some rough times. Well, if you're on rough times, the church is where you need to be. Because there you get fed, and there you get some stuff. Listen to me, if you're starving, oh, man, I couldn't make it to the restaurant because I was too hungry. <laughs> I was so hungry that I, I, I just stayed home and couldn't go to the grocery store. You're an idiot. Okay? If you're hurt, oh, man, I was just going through so much, I just couldn't get to church. That is dumb. This is where you need to be. Why? Because it's the same. I know I just called some people an idiot, okay? But you know what? I forgive you. You'll get over it later, okay? <laughs> get yourself to church. Get there. Get something. Make a meal. You know, nourish yourself. This is so good, okay? Okay? So this is what's taking place. But then it goes into discipline of eldership. And I, and I want to just finish up right here. It goes into the discipline. Now, once again, ladies and gentlemen, hear my heart on this. Why are we talking about this stuff? For some of you, are like, oh, I wanted one of those pick-me-up, feel-good messages. Well, you know what? Take what you got and go make a pick-me-up, feel-good message for yourself later, okay? Why are we talking about this stuff? Because this should bring security to you. This should bring uh, uh, some strength to you, knowing that, okay, this church, you know, they're talking out of the Bible. They're talking what the church should look like, okay? We have to address 
proper uh, money in the church. The sad thing is, is the principle's the same, but things have been flip-flopped, it looks like. It looks like now we don't have any money for the widows, and we got, you know, pastors making absorbent amounts of money. The, 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 the principle's still the same, it's financial integrity, Okay? Man, we need to get to a place where, man, we have, okay, there's some, there's some single moms here, and there's some stuff going on. How can we help out? How can we fund them? How can we help with their kids? Okay? okay. We need to deal with financial integrity. Now it's dealing with conflict again. Okay? Here's, here's the elders. Man, they're worthy of double honor, but you know what? We're also worthy of getting pulled up in front of the church and disciplined. Look at what it says. It says this, and it's talking specifically of elders because we're reading it in context. Although the principle is seen in other portions of Scripture, it says this, those that persist in sin, okay, meaning probably that uh, they've probably been dealt with, okay, we're not just going to, someone that's sinned, we're not just going to pull them up, like a leader that's sinned, we're not just going to pull them up, you know, hey, you blew it. Hey, guys, this dude blew it. This is what he did. And so he's no longer a leadership. Thank you, you can sit down. Actually, we have somebody there. I'd like to call up. No, just kidding. <laughs> You know right there, my leader's like, oh, crud, he found out, you know. And then all you were like, I am never coming back to this church. But you should come back, and here's why. Because you need to know that if we do the proper biblical perspective of when it comes with dealing with sin in people's lives, that that should give you security. It should, give you, it should give you a sense that we're walking in integrity, that this is a safe place, this is a safe house, that I can go there, Okay? And so here it talks about, hey, if they persist in sin, Timothy, here's what you're going to have to do. Now, it's talking of elders, all right? This is what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to pull them up. You've already approached them, you know, with, with two or three credible witnesses. They've had sin in their life. You've addressed it. They're not willing to change. It's time to pull them up, bring them up, and deal with that publicly so the church knows. Now, when's the last time you saw that happen in church? Okay. But then we see this, that that principle also carries in not just to uh, 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 the elders, but it carries over into the congregation as well. Let me give you some verses you can write down later. How do I deal with conflict? Matthew 18, 15 through 17. Matthew 18, 15 through 17. You want to know as a church member how you ought to deal with conflict? If you're having conflict with somebody, go talk to them. If they're not willing to change, bring a couple guys with you. Talk to them. If they're not willing to change, then bring them up. In front of everybody, okay? And deal with it. So same, same, same thing happening throughout the church, okay? Some other verses you can look at later, 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 8. 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 8. Look at what the Bible says here, though. Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, pull them up. They persisted in sin. Now listen to what it says. So that everyone else will stand in fear. How many know if I pulled Joe and Caleb up here? There was some sin in their life. I pulled them up here and I said, hey guys, you know, this is Joe and Caleb, been leaders here at the church for a little over two years now and, and this has been, you know, what's been going on. We've addressed it several times but they're not willing to change and how many of you guys would be up there like, oh my God. <laughs> that would freak you out, right? Number one, you'd be freaked out. That, no, they could never do that. They're the coolest, sweetest, nicest people in the world, Okay. And you'd be like, that could never. But the second thing what you do is like, my gosh. Okay, here's the thing. That is done for the integrity of the church. Do that. Discipline people. Address sin that way because now people will be like, my God. 
I, I got sin in my life. You know what the Bible says? Be sure that your sin will find you out. In other words, you, you can't hide it. If you got sin in your life and you continue in that sin, now listen to me. If you've repented, awesome. But if you continue in that sin, be sure that sin will find you out. And one thing I've learned, ladies and gentlemen, is this is that God gives you multiple, multiple, multiple times to repent privately. But if you don't uh, repent privately, his grace is sovereign and good enough to expose you publicly. And the reason he does that is because he loves you enough that he does not want sin in your life and he wants you to change. Because he knows that if you persist in that sin, that sin will ultimately separate you from him for eternity. And so when Paul is dealing with this stuff, listen to me, this ought to encourage you, this ought to excite you, as well as scare the hell out of you. Because if the church, honestly, can we just say this? I'm going to close right here because of time. If the church would do this, if more churches would do this, listen to me. God has not called us to build a gathering, a place where I could go, and I just, I just feel so good. I just left. Oh, what was the service? But I don't know. I don't know what he talked about. But I just feel so good inside. Go get a new pair of jeans. That'll make you feel good inside too. Okay? Okay? That's not what the church is about. The church is to be built on good, solid, sound doctrine, teaching. And this teaching says this. You want sin to stop in a community? Address it publicly. Dear God. Because fear will fall on the people. Now, here's the problem in our, in our culture. If we get offended at church, we leave. We don't value the community God's placed us in. And all of a sudden, something happens, and they address it to me. You know what? I'm going to go to a different church. You just did yourself a disservice, and everyone around you a disservice, because you're going to bring your same garbage to that other church, and be sure your sin will find you out at that church as well, and it'll get exposed, and you'll go to the next church, and then the next church, and then the next church, until you realize that maybe you're the problem. But if we would deal with sin up front, not necessarily up front here, but up front there, but if it needs to be, are, is someone catching what I'm saying today? But see, I guarantee you, just as I said, hey, we're going to call somebody up. The leader's like, oh, my gosh, is he really? Some of you are sitting out there like, oh, my word, I'm never coming back. Listen to me. When's the last time you picked a church based on, I wonder if they discipline people publicly? (laughs) When you're church shopping, is that on the top of your list? I wonder if they preach good, sound doctrine. And, well, let's look and see what the church is supposed to look like. First Timothy, oh, they're supposed to discipline elders. and, And, you know, let's look at Matthew, you know, 18. Yeah, they're supposed to discipline people when they're in sin. When's the last time you put that at the top of your list? Now, I want some really good worship. I, you know, I want, I want a pastor who can entertain me and is, is, is good looking, is funny. You know, th- those are high on my list. And, you know, I want, I want to really feel good when I leave. When's the last time you put it on the top of your list? You know what I want? I want to get sin out of my life. And the only way that I'm going to conquer is I've been persisting in this for a long time. I need to stop sleeping around, but no one's addressed that in my life. And, you know, I need to stop with this anger issue. And I, I should probably stop, you know, getting drunk every Friday night. And I should probably, you know, I want to go to a church that will address those issues in my life. When was that the last time on the top of your list? It's getting quiet in here. That should, be at, that should be at the top. I wonder if they really get down to business and they deal with stuff. But we put surface issues up there. You know what? Yeah, worship's good, but worship isn't going to save you. Or honestly, even keep you saved. You know what is going to save you? Jesus Christ, through the preaching of the gospel of the word. And you know what's going to keep you saved? It's good, sound, Bible teaching, 
that says, you know what, you've got sin in your life and we've got to deal with it. We, you've got sin, we, we, we've, got, we've got to confront that. And we've got, to, what will it do, Timothy? Timothy, if you want to be able to counteract what's happening in the culture, you've got to first deal with the church. And if you're going to deal with it in the church, Timothy, here's how you have to do it. You, you've got some elders in your church, man, that you need to address some stuff in their life. And, and not only that, w- w- once the people see that, there's going to be a healthy amount of fear. And then they're going to want to change too. Let me finish with this story just a little while back. How many give me just two more minutes? Two, four, six, eight. I saw people say I was going to. We'll finish here. About, about a month ago, uh, there had been a, a couple that had been going to our church for some time. Uh, we had actually had them over for dinner. We've been over to their place for dinner. We had actually been building a, 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 a decent relationship with one another. Uh, beyond just acquaintances, we were actually, you know, becoming friends. And, and about the last three months uh, of that relationship, I started noticing some pulling back and some things that just, just were striking me wrong. And, and, uh, and I've been talking with my wife about it, praying about it. And my wife was encouraging me to, uh, to do what the First Timothy 5 says, to go ahead and deal with the conflict. Um, can I just be honest with you? I hate conflict. <laughs> Thanks, God, for making me a pastor. I hate conflict, you know. And, uh, and it's not fun. I'm growing in that, you know. Um, but here's the thing you got to understand is that that conflict uh, in the Bible, uh, the end result it hopefully goes to repentance and restoration. Conflict is never just for conflict's sake. It's not just because we want to be confrontational. It's not just because, ah, you got sin in your life. No, we, wanna, we want the conflict so that we can have repentance, so that we can have restoration. And, and I noticed some things going on, and I was, I was just dreading it. My wife was like, Ben, you got to do it. And I was like, why don't you do it? I'm your boss, babe, you know. I'm also your husband. You're a smit woman. You go deal with it. <laughs> she said, Ben, it's your job. Let me get here. See, right here, Paul's addressing Timothy. You need, you need to go do it. <laughs> and so, uh, one, uh, you know, at one moment, we had, uh, had a chance, and I, I, I just, there was some stuff just coming out of this person. And so I asked, I said, excuse me, I said, do you, do, you, do you respect me as your pastor? This person said, no, absolutely not. I said, well, then I'm going to speak to you because I think we're friends. We've been out, you know, several times now. I'm going to speak to you as, as, as a pastor and as your friend, even though you don't respect me as a pastor. I said, if, if, if you were uh, my friend, which you are, and you were going to another church, and you told me, man, I don't respect my pastor at all at that church, you know what I'd tell you? And he said, what? And I said, I'd tell you to leave that church because you're wrong. And, and you need to either submit or you need to leave and go find a place you can submit to. And that was one of the hardest conversations I, I've ever had in a long time. And uh, the funny thing is, is that when this, first, this person first started coming to our church, uh, this person said this. They said, you know what I'm looking for? This was the, this was the said. Amazing. This is actually at the top of the list. I want to go to a church that's not afraid uh, to confront some issues in my life. But yet the minute I began to confront those issues, because we live in an uncommitted culture and society, I began to address those issues in them. They left. What would happen, church? If we got to the place at Urban where if we dealt with issues in people's lives. Now, I'm not saying we're, we're, we're looking to take the splinter out of somebody else before we take the beam out of ours. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm talking about there's some persistent sin taking place. And there's something going on that needs to be addressed. And that we would step up to the plate as a community of believers, as friends in Christ. And we would say, hey, look, I, I realize there's, some, there's, some, there's something there. Have you noticed this? Because all of us have blind spots. And the only way you can check your blind spot is if you have a friend. And that friend would say, you know what, I've noticed this. What would happen if at that moment we didn't just forget you and left? And we actually said, you know what, I want to grow in Christ. And maybe there's something to what you're saying. I'm going to go home and I'm going to pray about this and let's talk again. 
What would happen if we got to that place? Because honestly, I, 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 don't, I don't enjoy conflict, but what if we got to that place where we could have that and realize that it's for the benefit of all? Are you with me this morning? And we could get to that place and acknowledge, I got blind spots. And you know what? Thank you for telling me that. Because really, all of our goal should be to go, grow in Christ and to grow in the grace that's on our life. If we could get to that place, I'm telling you, it's at that place then we can go and we can impact culture. We cannot impact culture with something that's not solid, with something that's not brilliant and bright. We can address culture when we first address the issues 